Hi, Augustine Hadelich. Yes, hello, that's me. Hi. <laughs> I'm John Pittman. I'm the program director at All Classical Portland, and I'm very pleased to have a few minutes to talk to you today. Uh, for the first time for me, uh, interviewing you uh, about your new CD. All right. Augustine, I understand that with the, the new CD, and it's being released by Warner Classics, that you're going around to quite a number of concerts this year promoting the album. Is that right? Yes. Well, I mean, I am playing the Brahms Concerto a few times throughout the season, definitely. And, and yes, we're doing, we're doing quite a lot of interviews and appearances and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's talk about how you brought together the Ligeti Concerto and the Brahms. Uh, you mentioned in previous interviews or in the liner notes that you find it very interesting and intriguing to bring together works that are in the core repertoire like the Brahms with uh, some other works that are perhaps less familiar. Yes, I find that I like the programs from a programmatic point of view because I'm a big fan of contrast in programs and just hearing something totally different I think can be refreshing but it can also be very interesting because you suddenly might notice similarities that you would never be aware of or it kind of highlights what makes each style unique and it has also a practical advantage of or like you know one of the thoughts that goes into it is if I recorded the CD of all Ligeti it might be a little bit harder to to get people interested in listening to it or buying it so in, in a way I can you know maybe get people to start listening with something more familiar like the Brahms and then they'll stay for the Ligeti. So that's, all, that's, another, that's another thought behind it. Well, it looks to me like another advantage of having a CD like that is that it gives us a little bit broader uh, representation of the history of classical music, music from two different eras. Right, exactly. And how, how much the form of the Violin Concerto changed in those 120 years and just totally different ways to write the violin concerto. I think one thing that they both had in common is that Marms and Ligeti were both not interested in writing a violin concerto that is like a vehicle for soloists to kind of show off their virtuosity, the way that, you know, there are a lot of 19th century pieces, you know, by Wieniawski and Paganini and Lalo and all these different more show pieces. Brahms, I think, wanted to approach it from a more um, chamber music-like approach you know where the, the solo violin is is a very important voice but it's always in dialogue with with the other instruments and it's very much about the relationship of the violin with the rest of the ensemble and i think the ligeti concerto actually shares that approach it's the, the very rare moments where the violin plays all by itself it's often about playing with or against other sort of layers of of instruments and this uh, kind of well, I think in Ligeti it's a little bit more conflict sometimes with those other layers. In Brahms, when eventually everyone joins together as friends, maybe more. <laughs> right, right. And friendship had something to do with the Brahms concerto, didn't it? Because he had uh, Josef Joachim in mind. Right, it was written and dedicated for Josef Joachim, who uh, also, of course, played the played Brahms' violin sonatas extensively and was a very, very important violinist in the 19th century just because of how he shaped the violin repertoire. A lot of pieces were written for him, and he was instrumental in popularizing some of the greatest works. So he, he was touring with the Beethoven Concerto very much at the time when audiences weren't really interested in hearing it. It wasn't a very popular piece yet, but he kind of insisted on playing it and eventually convinced everyone else that it was a great work. And in fact, 
the Brahms, Brahms' violin concerto does look very much to the Beethoven. There's even one quote in one place where he actually quotes a passage from it a little bit, and it's in the same key and um, has, I think, a similar approach to the instrument, because the Beethoven concerto is also a piece where the violin is not always the main thing that's happening. It's not always in the lead. Sometimes also a passage is where it has an accompanimental role. So I think that gives Brahms a lot, of, a lot to think about and also using the highest register of the violin a lot, which is something Brahms doesn't usually do in his other violin music, and, but is a special feature of the Beethoven concerto, that it goes higher than, than most concertos of, of that time. Now, um, a big and important part of your recording, besides bringing together these two works that maybe none of us had ever thought of before as making a good pairing, either by contrast or by drawing some comparisons and similarities, is the the moment of the cadenzas in each of the concertos and you have two different approaches on this recording both of them i guess somewhat revolutionary and especially in the brahms is that you wrote your very own cadenza for that yes i i did so I spent many years playing Joachim's cadenza, which is the one that's most often performed. But I think that Brahms really expected different violinists to eventually write their own cadenzas. It is, I think, a space for each soloist to do that. And it was quite common to do that. And there, there are a lot of cadenzas, you know, there's like 10, 15 different cadenzas from the first 50 years of this piece's existence. And, but then eventually that tradition of cadenza writing it stopped a little bit, and I think that's a pity in, in general. And actually, it has been coming back a little bit. It's more common now for soloists to compose their own cadenzas for Mozart concertos again. And, but I, I felt that after years of playing the Joachim and also Kreisler cadenzas, that it would be really interesting to, to see what, what happens if I try to, to write my own. And it was a really, really interesting process because the, one of the first things I had to do was maybe look at the piece again in a different way, think about the different musical ideas and which ones I would want to bring again and how to structure the whole thing and you know what exactly makes Brahms's style sound like Brahms. There's some certain typical hallmarks of his writing with how he with the kinds of lines that he writes and the counterpoint that he uses and the voice leading and the kind of rhythmic patterns that he likes to do and so it was really interesting and ultimately then when I was playing it I felt quite quite good about it so um yeah so that that was that was the brahms the brahms cadenza in the case of the ligeti that that also doesn't have an original cadenza um so the cadenza in the score was written by zashko gavrilov who had premiered the piece and in this case thomas artist the british composer thomas artist he wrote a cadenza a few years ago which uh, when when i saw it really really blew me away although unfortunately it's even more difficult than the than the ligeti concerto itself it, it's really kind of crazy what he asks, but I, th I think it's exactly the right thing for that moment in the piece because everything, the whole piece moves towards this point. It's the, um, where all the elements from the entire piece come together and clash with each other and everything is played again, but faster and crazier. And it, I, I think it's really, really, really effective. Does he ask for you to do things that Ligeti doesn't ask you to do anywhere else in the concerto? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, Thomas Addis has, I don't know, a, a tendency, let's say, to, to write music that at first glance is not <laughs> playable on the instrument. So certain places where I have to pluck and bow at the same time or a lot of jumps. 
you know, all the different elements in his cadenza are taken from the concerto, but because they're played in a sped up way. And when I play the material from the first movement again, not only is it now faster in the cadenza, but I am not only playing my part from the first movement, I'm also playing the concertmaster's parts that's sort of interjected. So it's as though I'm now doing the work of two, two violinists <laughs> trying, to, trying to do it all. So it's, it's kind of at the limits of what's, what's possible. But that's, I think, that is, I think, the idea behind it. And like a lot of music that seems unplayable, actually, when you try to play it and really put your mind to trying to figure it out, there often actually is a way. So I'm... Um, you know, there's so many examples in the violin literature of pieces being declared unplayable that I think one has, as a violinist, one has to be pretty careful about saying that because it's probably not true. Um, so that's, that's my attitude towards it, that when I think, well, that's not possible, then my next thought is, well, let's, let's see, because maybe I'm just not, not seeing yet how it, how it can be done. Uh, and ultimately, it actually, even though it's very difficult, it's, it's, it really, um, it uses the violin really to its to to great effect what it can do i think and, and provides well the cadenza is right at the very end of the whole piece in the ligeti so in a way the cadenza becomes the ending of the piece and i think Alice's cadenza makes the ending extremely convincing whereas some of the other cadenzas that have been made for the ligeti are not quite as satisfying so um, i think it's quite a difficult task that he mastered so well and, and i mean understandably ligeti is one of Alice's great influences and he really adores this piece, so it, I think, came quite naturally to him to write this. On the recording, uh, I know we have just a few minutes left, but I wanted to uh, kind of draw a couple of connections here, since we're based in Oregon. Right. Noticing that you're playing with the Norwegian Radio Orchestra, and the conductor is Miguel Harth Bedoya. And I don't know if you know this or not, but he was actually the music director of an orchestra here in Oregon, the Eugene Symphony, back in the late 90s to about 2002. And then a further Oregon connection is, I know that you're going to be out here in Oregon to play at uh, Southern Oregon's Brit Classical Festival in August, playing with Teddy Abrams. Right, yes, I, um, I'm very excited to return to that festival. I was there in 2014, last uh, was the last time and I think it's a really beautiful place and a lovely place to do classical music. Uh, you'll be playing the Tchaikovsky Concerto with the yes. Brit Festival on that occasion. That's right, it'll be Tchaikovsky in Brit. And um, I'll also be back in Portland, Oregon next season performing the first Paganini Concerto with the Portland, uh, with the Oregon Symphony. Well, Augustine Hadelich, it's been great to talk with you about your new CD, the Brahms Concerto with your cadenza and the Ligeti Concerto with the Thomas Addis Cadenza, which I know you're very excited to have included in that recording. And it's been a pleasure for me to have this time to talk to you. All right. Wonderful to talk to you, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 